Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look this morning at a passage that I think is uh, greatly misunderstood today. And uh, uh, this particular uh, view of what I'm about to say has been around for less than 200 years. And, uh, but it's that concerning the old man and the new man. And uh, let's read now verses 17 through 24 of Ephesians chapter 4. There's a lot of controversy around this, misunderstanding that leads to error and uh, blindness. And uh, so with God's help, we'll discuss uh, verses Uh, 22 through 24. Verse 17 of Ephesians 4. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, since indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been crafted in righteousness, excuse me, created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. May God bless our hearts the reading of this portion of his word and Just a quick review, (laughs) I say quick, Uh, the last three chapters, uh, the first three chapters, you remember, uh, are doctrinal truths that that Paul has laid out, and uh, he's taught about election, adoption, justification, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, etc., and... uh, and he's talking about these doctrines not just as teachings in the scripture, but things that have really happened in the lives of these believers. This is what is true about them. This is what has happened to them at their conversion. Because of their conversion, they now uh, can apply these to themselves because they have experienced it. It's really true about them. So, Paul says, okay, this is what we have become in Christ, what has happened to us. How then should we live? How then should we live? What should we look like as a believer? And from from verses 25 uh, of chapter 4 all all the way to the end of Ephesians, he's going to talk about that. Uh, He's going to get down to the everyday nitty-gritty of living. And, uh, and he gets very personal, and we, we should get down 
uh, personally in our own lives, where we live. But we must first understand, Paul says, I think, you cannot go about living the Christian life uh, until you understand who you are in Christ. That's so vitally important for us to understand who we are in Christ and what we are in Christ. Uh, It's like uh, a pair of glasses. You must have the right prescription to see clearly. And many cases in the Christian lives, they've got the wrong prescription on and they can't see clearly. And out of that flows all sorts of errors and and going down uh, paths that they shouldn't go down. And we have to have that in order to deal properly with sin and problems in our lives. Uh, So... What you have been made to be in Christ is of utmost importance. You must understand and also believe the radical transformation that has happened in your life. A radical transformation. Now, if you've grown up as a, uh, in a Christian home and, and grew up as a child and you knew Christ at three or four, there may not have been a radical change, but there is a life that is lived now for Christ. Okay? And uh, I had a radical transformation because I was such a bad boy. I mean, I, uh, we won't go into that, but uh, some people did not have that kind of life. Uh, uh, but this has happened to you. You have a new status. You have now a new standing uh, in Christ, in Christ. And Paul talks about that so much. He says, uh, examine yourself. Does he not? Does he not? He does. Well, that's not it. <laughs> it is. We must see ourselves, though, as we really are. Okay, thank you. We must... Oh, they did it for me. We must see ourselves as we really are and be honest with ourselves about who we are. You know, the Satan is so deceptive and he'll get you to thinking something that is not true about you at all. You'll make excuses, you, uh, and we'll see that in a minute. But he says, examine yourselves to see whether... You are in the faith. Don't just take it. You better examine to see if your life backs up your uh, calling, whether it backs up your, your, uh, uh, your life. Test yourselves. Do, not, uh, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? He is in you. In other words, when he is in you, it's going to make a difference, unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that you have not failed the test. So examine ourselves. That's, it's, it's extremely important. We must have a true self-image. And then know you're right and then go ahead. But you first must know you're right. Uh, this is not a proud self-image, though. This is a humbling self-image. Uh, we all as Christians realize that we deserve the wrath of God. 
that's a true self-image uh, in realizing uh, who we are and what grace that God has shed upon us in, in the most marvelous way. But at the same time, we are a child of God. That's, that's what's so exciting is that we really are a child of God. And this is a very lofty position. Uh, I am now united to the Son of God. I have become a co-heir with the Son of God. All my sins are forgiven. And I now stand perfect before Him. That's good news. Does the, do the Scriptures teach that? Yes, it does. In Hebrews 10, 11 through 14... Day after day, every priest stands, and we're going through Hebrews in, in Sunday school, but he says, stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. And when this priest had offered for all time, and who is this priest? It's Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, that's the sacrifice of Christ, he, Christ, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And that's us. You are perfect before God in your standing. You need to believe that and live like that. And uh, be humbled by that and have a true self-image. We will rule and reign with him. This is a high and lofty position. Matter of fact, the scripture says what? Do you not know, Paul says, that we will judge angels? I don't get that, but uh, that's what he says and we will do it. That's a lofty position, isn't it not? So, wow. Wow. So, Christian, you have been exalted to a high position, uh, higher than any other human position, even the President of the United States. It's a higher, more lofty position than even the Presidency of the United States. Believe it because it is true. We need to remind ourselves of that every day. Every day we need to remind ourselves of who we are. When we are depressed or, or tempted to sin, we need to believe the gospel because it is really true of you. Uh, before we deal with bitterness as, and, and the rest of things Paul talks about here and other issues, we need to believe the gospel. Believe what is true about and we and we saw in Romans Paul said I am not ashamed of the gospel because it that is the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew then to the Gentile see it's believing the gospel so we start off believing the gospel for salvation how do we live the Christian life Believing the gospel. Because you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Hallelujah. And if you believe it, and your faith in that grows, you'll find your life changing. 
It happened to me. I've experienced that, and I know it's happened to you. Uh, you believe the gospel converted you? Then continue to believe the gospel to change you. You know, there are not ten easy steps to doing anything. You get these books been written by Christians. Ten easy steps to becoming a better husband. It ain't easy. But you can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit as you believe the gospel. Because you're to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Whoa, that's huge. Yeah, because he died for the church. Then you're to die for your wife. And on and on. And you believe that. And it changes your life. And you find you love like you've never loved before. And it grows and grows and grows. And he gets the glory for that. It's a heart change is what we're talking about. It's a heart change. Uh, and sometimes if you've lived a very wicked life and then you're changed, it's so hard to forget where you came from because it's so ingrained in you. Just a, uh, an illustration that probably doesn't meet every criteria, uh, but I worked in a restaurant, and I started off as a busboy. And uh, I was probably the best boy, best busboy there ever was. I could clean more tables in five minutes than uh, not really. But I was a busboy. But then I became a waiter, and I couldn't believe it. I was no longer cleaning tables. But it sure was hard not to clean the table that first day. I would just, every time, no, I don't. That's not my position anymore. Right? And so it is when you were converted, you look back and you say, huh, no, wait a minute, that's not me anymore. And that's the Holy Spirit working in you. That's your new position. They even let me count the money. And deposit the money in the bank at night for 10 cents more an hour. <laughs> I'm just thankful to be alive, to be honest. It was in a dark alley, and you had to go get in your truck. And Anyway, that's another story. But, but Christians tend to forget their new position. And so the Holy Spirit must give us eyes of faith, not eyes of fear, and to live out of that faith. You know, we're so familiar with what we used to be. We now need to think differently. Thinking differently is so important. Janine was talking about that coming to... And I said, it just so happens that I'm going to be talking about that. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, and this is brothers and sisters, these are believers, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if... Anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. We now have a new position. We are the children of God. Do you really fathom that? I can't. I dwell on it. I think about it. But then 
It overwhelms me to think I am perfect in Christ. I am a child of the King. It's interesting because in 1 John 3, we, John talks about this. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. And we need to let that sink in that we should be called the children of God. And then notice the next thing he says, which I think is so interesting. And that is what we are. That's what we are. That is what is really true about us. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Wow. We can't even fathom all of that. But we know by faith, we all know by faith, something has radically changed about us. We are radically different from the world. Least we better be. We better be. You better be. This is not a take it if you want it or don't take it if you want it. You know, no, this is what Paul is saying here. There has been a radical change. Now, the verses I want to deal with, that's the review. (laughs) I'm kidding. In verses 22 through 24, remember we saw last week, though, I do want to mention this, as but you did not learn Christ in this way, he says in uh, Ephesians 4.20, if indeed you have heard him. Remember this was in the aorist tense. He is talking about something that has happened to them at their conversion. All right? Indeed, you have heard him. Uh, but the if in verse 21 should not be if. It's since indeed you have heard him. In other words, this is true about you and have been taught in him, past tense. That's at your conversion. Just as truth is in Jesus. So keep that in mind that Paul is telling us it's not if. Like you can take it or leave it. No, since you have, we really have heard him. We have really been born again. We are really new creatures in Christ, is what Paul is saying. And uh, so I'm going to speak today briefly of the old and new man and the misunderstanding that has come from that. And uh, there are a lot of people today who think they're believers, but they're not because they're still the old man. And yet they claim to be the new man. And uh, I don't know who they are, of course, and I'm not judging anybody. But uh, uh, I think they have a lower view of who they are and what they are in Christ. In other words, you've heard of the old saying of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay, so the Christian is not one day Dr. Jekyll and then the next day he's Mr. Hyde. No, the old man is dead 
What we used to be is gone, is what Paul is saying. Now, is there remaining sin? Yes, there is. Do we struggle with sin? Yes, we do. Are you struggling with sin? See, that's the key. And, uh, and so we need to be careful of that. Another example is from the Lord of the Rings, Smeagol and Gollum. Two people in one. In, in one. No. Not in the Christian's life. There is not an old man, new man conglomeration. Uh, I think one of the best illustrations of this is St. Paul himself. Paul wasn't a preserver of Christians or a killer of Christians one day, and then the next day, oh, I love Christians. But then the next day, oh, he's back to killing Christians again because he's back in the old man. No. Paul's life was radically changed, and now he loves what he used to hate. Think about that. This is what Paul is getting at here. And uh, so the believer before conversion is the old man. That's true. And then uh, after the new birth and conversion, a new man is born. That is true. But the error is that both of those creatures can live in the person at the same time. That is not true. You can't. You cannot be the new man, the new creation in Christ, but also in Adam, lost, unregenerate. Because that's what the new man is. He's he's regenerate. And uh, this, I believe, is the teaching uh, that Paul is saying here. Uh, The old man is no longer in control. The old man does not dominate anymore. We're going to look at some verses, I think, that show that. So, there is not a conglomeration. Romans chapter 6, we went through the book of Romans. And uh, I think I skipped here. So, I'm going to just read through this and let you see this, this, what Paul is saying concerning this. He says, we know that our old self, our old man... What we were unregenerate, lost, was crucified. What does crucified mean? Killed, dead, gone. Okay. So that the body ruled by sin might be done. See, we're not ruled by sin. Might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. That is the dominion of sin, the the, the sin that dominates him is what? And then in verse 18, you have been set free from sin and become slaves to what? Righteousness. You've been changed. You've been regenerated. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free, here is that word, from the control of righteousness. When you were a slave, when you were unregenerate, you were not under the control, you were not, uh, you, uh, 
you were free from the control of righteousness when you were a slave to sin. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. This is what Paul is going to be saying in the rest of the book of Ephesians as put away bitterness. You're not that anymore. Now, does it mean that we're not ever bitter? Yes, we are. Because there is that remaining sin. We don't become perfect except in our standing. But in our living it out, we still are sinful people. But we're no longer slaves of sin. We're no longer dominated by sin. And I hear so many Christians all the time, they'll talk about their their children and, and, and God bless them. And maybe they are Christians, but they're not living. They don't go to church. They're not living. for. They're wicked. You need to be honest with them and say, look. You better hear me. And this, because Paul wants you to hear. You, are you a child of God? Have you been born again? Have you been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you love God? Well, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. I doesn't get it. The devil believes in Jesus. But he hates him. He's not following him. He's not following him. And I think today in the churches, the church has become lethargic. There's a great little book, if anybody wants to read it. It's called The Carnal Christian with a Question Mark. It's by Ernest C. Riesinger. And uh, it has a picture on the front of it of a church. And the church is on fire, burning down. Because of this teaching. These people that think that they can live a carnal, totally carnal, fleshly life and still be a Christian. I don't find that in Scripture. Paul is not saying that here. And we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 because uh, that's what you're thinking about, I know. But anyway, we find this all through Paul's writings. All through his writings, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I died. I, big I, me as a uh, Pharisee. In other words, I'm not Pharisee one day and then over here now I'm a Christian. And No. He says, I died, and I no longer live. The old me, the old man. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the new Paul. So, we've been raised to newness of life. Thank God. The old man, the old man, is what, is what I was in Adam. The new man is what I am now in Christ. The two cannot coexist in me. I'm either one or the other. I'm either in Adam or I am in Christ. And uh, I don't have an unregenerate part of me and a regenerate part of me. No. I have been regenerated. I'm a new creature now in Christ. There are consequences, I think, of this false teaching. Uh, and I want to just look briefly at, at some of those. Uh, the truth is, though, the Christian cannot live in the old man being in control. He can't do it. 
because it doesn't exist. You're either a new man or you're still an old man. There are not three groups of people. There's not the unconverted man, then the carnal Christian, and then the spiritual Christian. There are, there's, there's, there are only two types of people. There is the unconverted man and the converted man. There is not this middle-of-the-road thing where you can be a Christian and still be dominated by sin. This is what Paul is driving at here, and that's why he's, he's said all he says up to this point is that people will examine themselves and go, you know what, I'm not like that. Well, then you better repent. You better repent. You better come to know Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You need to be saved. That's what he's saying. And uh, it's so sad that this has been uh, taught and, and it's just uh, perverted the church. It really has. Uh, and I deal with it quite a bit, even, even uh, with, with relatives. An uncon- a converted person cannot live an unconverted life. I think there are consequences, and one thing, it provides an excuse for the person who claims to be converted. Well, I can't help it. I don't go to church because I'm just carnal. Wow. Is that your excuse? Yeah, you know, I just can't help it. I'm just carnal. Well, you can help it. By God's grace. What did Jesus say? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that uh, does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. They're connected. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never, never, it's not like they were uh, one day a Christian and the next day they were lost or unconverted and there was a you know, a conglomeration and no, he says, I never knew you away from me. What you evildoers. In other words, you who are dominated by sin, you who practice lawlessness, you who are wicked to the core. You've never been converted. He says, depart from me. And it's so sad today because I think in the church, there are a lot of people in this condition And it doesn't really bother them. Why? Well, because I'm just carnal. I'm just carnal. You have to understand that's just the way I am. That's not what Paul says. Uh, Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, when you're born again, you receive the fruit of the Spirit, and that's love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's what you receive when you're born again. 
you have the fruit of the Spirit. There's a radical change. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is, is uh, what I read. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are gone. New things have begun. That's Paul again. He is a new creation, by the way. That's the ex nihilo, out of nothing. What you were is dead and gone, and now you're a new creation in Christ. And now by the spirit and power of God, you can live for him and put on the new man and obey in obedience that flows from faith. So this carnal Christian theory, uh, I think, is full of holes. Christians are not in the flesh one day and the spirit the next. Because our standing has changed. We're not unregenerate one day and regenerate at the same time. We went through Romans again. It says, Romans 8, those who live according to the flesh, in other words, those who are unregenerate, those who are lost, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Nor can it, notice, nor can it do so. It's unregenerate. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. If you've never been born again, all your good works are not doing you any good. You cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. See, that's the key. Have you been born again? Are you displaying the fruits of the Spirit? Because that's what you get at conversion. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Again, cannot be any clearer than that. I have much more, but let me just look at one. This, this whole idea of the two, two people, uh, two, the, it's kind of like the old uh, dog illustration. And I used to use that. I don't anymore because I think it's misleading. You know, you're, you have two dogs. You have the mad dog and the good dog. And so it's whichever one you feed grows. Right? I mean, you've heard that probably. Well, no. You've been changed. You're, you're no longer a dog anymore. Because what does a dog do? A dog returns to its vomit. That's pretty gross, right? Yucky? Makes you wonder about being kissed by a dog, doesn't it? I mean, oh, you know, I go, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. 
Maybe you shouldn't think about it. And then, the, even I, I like this even better. A sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Why? There's still a pig. And you, I mean, you can put, we, we had a pot belly pig, and boy, you could wash her up and put a bow on her, and we had her in the, in the, in a parade downtown, and whoa, and that you let her go in the mud puddle, wallowing in the mud. Why? They're a pig by nature. And these Christians, I'm sorry, and I'm not to judge, thank God. These pigs, these, these Christians, <laughs> I, that's what they are. These people that claim to be Christians who are wallowing in the mud show who they are. By their fruits, you will know them. I think it's very clear. I think Paul is, and we'll, we'll deal with this some more, but uh, I think it's that clear. Colossians 3, 9 and 10, and this will be the end. He says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Very clear. Again, in Paul's writings, you have taken off your old self, the old man with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image. He's not saying do something here. He's telling you what has been done to you. Okay? A lot of people get this confused. Oh, you can do that if you want, and that's up to you, and you can still go to heaven. You have your ticket to heaven. Uh, it's okay if you wallow in the mud. No, it is not okay because it shows you your true nature, which is what? A pig or a dog returning to its vomit. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. And Lord, it's so convicting because we know that, uh, Lord, we sin against you in thought, word, and deed every day. And, Lord, we know that uh, living the Christian life is a struggle. But, Lord, I thank you that uh, your spirit is in us and Christ is in us and that you are working in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. So I pray, Father, that we would take to heart these words by Paul, and we would desire uh, from uh, our new man to live the godly life, that people might see Christ in us. We'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.